Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for, for a bit of a change from the norm. This is it was, it was a few firsts. This is the first uh, promo episode, mini episode that we've all recorded together. It's also the first time we've recorded we're recording on a weeknight. Gentlemen, how... How does that feel? Maybe we should start with the man who has two young children that are currently hopefully still sleeping to see how this this shift in format is going. So far, so good. Um, the children are still sleeping. And it's 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 a little difficult because we live in a two bedroom, about a thousand square foot, maybe apartment. Um, and so Chelsea is still putzing about. And so you know, it's it's got its difficulties, and we may hear some sounds here and there. But uh, so far, it's working well, and um, hopefully, it can continue to work well as we continue to record uh, future episodes. I love the the juxtaposition of just like "hello there," and then Charles, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. Um, just very hushed tones. It's doing we're doing great. Very NPR. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what I'm using this podcast for, is a, uh, a guest MC spot on NPR. I love the weeknight sort of version. Um, I didn't have anything to do, so <laughs> this is a good use of my Tuesday. Very nice. Well, it's good to, good to see you both, and good to be recording this promo with you as we are beginning our fifth season of At The Well starting next week. And so... We wanted to do this episode because there's there's a lot to kind of set, like we do the set the scenes before every episode. There's a lot about the author of the book that we're going to be discussing that we want to talk about. So our fifth season is called Back to Basics, a, st- a Bible study of First John. So this is studying one of the shorter epistles in the New Testament of First John, and it's written by the guy that wrote the Gospel of John. Um, and as we were we were preparing for this, and I was looking into uh, just a few sources about this book and about the gospel, and even with our first few episodes, we kind of realized that there's a lot that's said about John in the Bible. Um, and that's not necessarily true of, of quite a few people in the New Testament. You know, Jesus, obviously, Paul, um, Peter, but John just kind of is kind of in sneaks in there is like oh there's a lot of material about him there's a lot of things he was present for there's a lot of very like specific details about his life and like his character that come up and so to kind of set a stage for this epistle that he wrote much later in his life after the church had been a bit more established we're talking probably decades after um jesus's death resurrection and ascension um looking at this and looking at who he was to see how who John is and how his experience of Jesus actually shaped the writing of this letter because as you'll see through the season there's so much overlap between what he says here what he says in his gospel and just experiences that we're probably um, all familiar with so the title of this is who is John and it's going to unlock a bit more of his character by highlighting four key things that are said about him in scripture Um, and Charles is going to lead us off with the first one, which is the transfiguration. Yeah, so this is from Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 4, so a rather short selection. Six days later, 
Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So this is a pretty significant event um, in the ministry of Jesus. Um, it is the glory of the Lord manifested really in, in full for the first time. Um, it's where Jesus's divinity is revealed to a very select group of people. And one of those people is John. Um, and so I think this passage kind of showcases um, the importance that John has and in both in the relationship that he has with Jesus because he was elected by Jesus to come up the mountain for this event to take place. But also, um, I think it shows that Jesus had a very particular role of leadership in mind for these three men, including John, in the early church. And so um, where Jesus's divinity is revealed, um, where two, the two greatest Old Testament prophets in, the old, uh, in, in Jewish culture, in the Jewish religion, are, are like appear centuries after they've, they've died. Um, and, and, and then later in the passage, God speaks and said, this is my son um, with whom I am well pleased. So there's a lot happening in terms of revealing who Jesus is. Um, and I think it's, it, it tells us something about what Jesus thought of John. Um, this is going to be a leader of my church. He needs to be here at this event um, so that he can witness what's, what's truly going on here um, and, and really witness Jesus in all his glory revealed really truly for the first time. Yeah, that's a lot of why I took from it as well as like, this is Jesus marking John, along with Peter and James, as kind of some foundational pieces to what that he would build his church through and kind of setting aside like it's not that the other disciples weren't important, but like these guys, I have a very particular plan for that. Yeah, I want them to see my glory in a way that no other human being has. I want them to see these prophets who I also um, use to play an immense part in uh, salvation history as kind of like setting the stage for what I intend to do through them. Um, all three of them guys who, or other than Paul, wrote books that are featured in the New Testament. And so this kind of, I wanted to start with this thing because it kind of sets up like, yeah, John is really important. Um, he is marked by Jesus himself as like a pillar of the early church. And that kind of lays the groundwork for why he's so heavily featured in the New Testament. And um, uh, some of the things that he says in this epistle that we're going to get into. The second passage is from John 13. And so it's very, very short. So this is Jesus at the Last Supper. And he's actually in this hap this depiction happens while he's describing, he, he's describing the fact that he knows he's going to be betrayed. So Jesus acknowledges someone in our midst will betray me. And so it's from John 13, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus's bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. 
that's it. That's the entire verse. But that passage is referring specifically to John. And it describes him as like leaning, literally just leaning back on Jesus's chest. Um, and, and later in the, um, it mentions him again. And he asks like, Lord, like basically, who is it? Who is going to betray you? And the reason I we selected this passage is because it speaks to the vulnerability and like the intimacy of, of John's relationship with Jesus. And that there's there's so much in just that short verse one that like the, that Jesus is talking about his death and betrayal and John as a friend is leaning close to him and like comforting him or comforting himself, but like wanting to be close to Jesus in this moment because Jesus is talking about some pretty heavy things that are going to happen. Um, and so John like comforts himself or comforts Jesus by being close to him. Um, he also, and this comes up, a lot in his gospel refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, we don't know what the other disciples thought about this, um, but it made it into scripture. So it speaks to there being a, some veracity to it. Again, not in favoritism. There is no partiality with God. Um, but this idea that John had this understanding of himself as someone who was deeply loved by Jesus and someone who was very close to Jesus. And that intimacy, that vulnerability frames so much of who John is and also why he writes the way he does, particularly in 1 John. Like the way he speaks about Jesus is as like years after the fact, as if he's like recalling talking about his friend and talking about someone who's very close to him and wanting to uphold and protect um what his friend did and what his friend said and reminding as he says in first john these dear children these people who have been products of this church over time that is now experiencing some hardship um that the same jesus who john encountered and who some of them encountered is the same jesus that can navigate them through these situations so there's like there's a vulnerability here um, but also a confidence and identity that john has in regards to who he is before jesus that comes up so much in his writing and it and is, yeah, really puts flesh on the bones of why he speaks the way he does, um, sometimes with such adoration. Um, and yeah, it gets, I think we say it at one point in the earlier episodes, I want to love Jesus the way that John very clearly does and just picking up from the way that he, he puts this um, book together. So that's the second point. So the third point, thank you, Jarrell. Um, the third point, um, comes from John 19, verses 25 through 29. It reads, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, and the sponge on a stalk, put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus's lips. And so, again, hitting on this <laughs> disciple who Jesus loved, kind of fact that John loved calling himself that. Um, this phrasing also not only shows up in the 
passage that Jarrell read or the verse that Jarrell read, uh, not only in this one, but also in John 21, verse 7 and John 21, verse uh, 20. And so uh, John, in most cases, or many of these cases, refers to himself in this way in situations when he and Jesus are with Peter. John is always describing a scenario wherein he gets to do something that Peter isn't or doesn't get to do. And I find, I find it kind of hilarious. Um, my first thought was like, oh, is this, is this John's pettiness coming out? Is there, did they have a contentious relationship? But in context, that isn't the case at all. It seems more likely, at least, at least to me, that uh, the Apostle John is actually more mature than his fellow Apostle Peter. Um, and it's not that John prides himself on being better than his brother in Christ. It's that he rejoices as Jarrell was pointing to, um, and as he was explaining, it's that John rejoices in his close proximity to God. He rejoices in that nearness. Um, and I think it's, I, in reading this, I am more and more convicted that I need to start thinking of myself, myself as the disciple who Jesus loves. I think in this particular passage, the reason that John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved is because Jesus blessed John with the responsibility of taking care of Mary. God in the flesh called him to take care of his own mom. That is in no way a trivial instruction. Like even in dying, in suffering, in pain, Christ still has human concerns. He's looking out for his mom. Um, and, and for it to be declared that the mother of Christ is also your mother uh, makes you, uh, which therefore makes John Christ's brother, like there's this closeness that even Christ Jesus like offers to John in inviting him to take care of his mom. Um, yeah, it speaks to the beauty that is their that was their relationship, is their relationship since they're both in eternity now. But like relationship goals with Jesus, I suppose. But yeah. yes, hashtag relationship goals with Jesus. <laughs> so we've got that John was present at the transfiguration and seeing a demonstration of the Lord's glory, marking him as an important figure in the early church. We've got the closeness and intimacy of John and leaning on Jesus' chest and is so confident who he is before the Lord that he refers to himself as a disciple whom Jesus loved. We've got that scene very tangibly in Jesus giving him you know, the responsibility of looking after his own mother. Again, speaking to the nearness of these two men and the closest, and the fact that John is the only disciple who didn't leave when Jesus was arrested, but like stood by him by the cross and watched him die. All of that is great, but we got to get to the meat and potatoes, guys. We got to get to the fact that John, it is scripturally accurate and definitive to say, is faster than Peter, because in John chapter 20, verse 4, in his depiction of Mary Magdalene and Mary coming to the disciples and telling them that Jesus is alive, John and Peter both take off running to the tomb. And John, in verse 4, makes a point to say both of them are running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I think we can agree that this is the most important detail about John that we would, we're going to cover in this, this episode, this little promo for the season. <laughs> I find it so pithy. Like, I can <laughs> totally see John... 
like I I loved your point, Eli, because I think there there probably was a little, you know, a little brotherly jesting going on between Peter and John for the entirety of Jesus's ministry. And when John is writing out, you know, his account of he's like, I'm gonna get Peter here. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no gospel of Peter, just the gospel of John. You better come on. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I definitely think that it's playful that there's there's a little bit of banter going on between the two of them i like it just also that like both were running but the other disciple out around first of all why are you referring to yourself as the other disciple you just say yourself you trying to be slick with your bragging so, oh brag. i'm sorry the disciple oh. whom jesus loved outran peter to the tomb <laughs> <laughs> and reached the tomb first he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. So there's also like this, I was so excited to go to the tomb of my state. Like, look at me out. I'm more excited than Peter. <laughs> Remember that, readers of this letter. <laughs> right. I'm so like, the thing I love most about this passage is that it, it made the final cut, as you will, to getting into the Bible. Like, it's one of those things like scripture is, is God inspired. It was written by just people. Um, but God, I see is like the final editor of it would just decided. Yeah, it's fine. Just leave that in. <laughs> leave that like, in <laughs> like they, <laughs> could have very easily been like, that doesn't seem like a relevant detail. But right. like, oh, it could stay. <laughs> it could stay. I genuinely hope that it's a source of that. It, like I, that when all the, the, the 12 got to heaven, it was a source of conversation. I'm like, oh, John, so you wrote you wrote one of the uh, one of the gospels, and so, oh yeah, it's good. You you refer to yourself a lot, John, as um the disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you? I'm assuming you you know include us in that as well. It's like, well, oh yeah, no, 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 no. That's, that's how I refer to all of us. You guys just saw the passages <laughs> where it was just me. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go right. I feel like anything. John would be. I feel like John would be like, oh. You know that the Lord loves you. You don't need me to tell you that, do you? Do you trust the Lord's love for you? Because I do. Because I do. <laughs> I feel like Peter was like, hey, so why are you always compete with me? Why didn't you talk about the time that I won you in the tug of war? Why didn't you talk about the time that I won that bet? You didn't You didn't talk about anything oh. else. Oh, it's, I, I slipped my mind. Oh, hey. wow. I'm so wow. sorry, guy. Oh, jeez. Jeez, oh, Pete. Jeez, oh, Pete. <laughs> I, it's 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 levity and it, I, I think it also is uh indication that you know in terms of making the final cut uh it's god has a sense of humor god has he's like humor. look at look at these guys <laughs> look at my right. boys this is needless and funny yeah Just i i will say to to also like i love the pithiness of this <laughs> But the next verse, I think it, it, there's also like humor and levity and pithiness and a little jesting, but there's also deference because the next verse, it says that um, John did not enter the tomb. He leaned in, saw that Jesus wasn't there, but he didn't enter. And then the next verse is Simon Peter arrives and he enters the tomb. Mm-hmm. And the commentary I was reading was saying that like, okay yeah they didn't say this but like what we know is okay john's faster than peter and probably held that over his head for for forever um but it also indicates or the commentary is really indicates that uh 
uh, John had a respect for the authority that Peter had among the early church, because right before this, Jesus said, Peter, uh, you are the rock and upon this rock, I build my church. So mm-hmm. I think it was like, there's something to like John saying, like, I actually don't have a right right now. I need to wait for this guy who has mm-hmm. some authority given to him by this guy who apparently isn't dead, but is alive. Um, and I think there's something really good about that because like, mm-hmm. even in our relationships, we'll make fun of each other all the time. Um, but we have respect for, for each other. And it's not the same, like there's not some, one of us who's like the equivalent of Peter. Um, but there is some, some says something I think about the brotherly relationship and also saying like, there was, a, he also respected his, mm-hmm. you know, his brother, his fellow disciple. I love that. It's a good word. It's also an opportunity to rub it in a bit more of like, like, oh, you caught up. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. I've just, I'm just going to stretch out here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. There's a, there's a playfulness and also respect there. As you were talking, I was like, oh, I would 1000% do that to either one of you. <laughs> like if I beat you, like, like make a point to write it down. Like, yeah, no, it's, is a thing that happened. Recorded for all eternity. Sorry. It's it's in there. It's in there now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that is it for this little promo of Who is John? Uh, we hope that you'll join us for season five, Back to Basics, a Bible study of First John. We're going to go through every single verse in the epistle of First John. Um, that will start next week. So, Keep an eye on our social media as well as anywhere you get your podcast from because we'll be going through this together and I'm excited to see what we can learn from it. But that is all for this week. We will see you for the beginning of season five next week here at The Well.